And it is Tuesday, December 15th. Happy holidays. We have your mistletoe, we have your sleigh bells, and hopefully we have eggnog. All ahead. Direct from Rivals in Yahoo Sports. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, love 30, you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean right? about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Sports. We start Marvin yeah. Blair Angulo. What's his name? Blair Angulo with the recruiting information you crave. The J is for what, Adam? I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and yes, and yes, your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> I don't know why I said I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. I know, Ron. Chris Morales. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Ready for jokes? Really Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista. Chris Morales. As the man says, welcome into the Trojan Sports Podcast, a Tuesday edition, December 15th. I am Chris Morales. Adam J. Maya, beat reporter for Trojansports.com, and Chris B. Swanson, publisher for Trojan Sports, are all here. USC Rivals site, that is what Trojansports.com is, part of Yahoo Sports. Don't ever forget that. And despite no actual Game Boys, it seems we have a busy show and week ahead. Happy holidays. Adam J. Maya, you've been a little uh, sick under the weather, but you sound beautiful. <laughs> no, I don't. No, yeah, you got a little, uh, a little December flu. I don't know. I no, I think I got it from that that trip with with Chris. Well, he does, he is infectious, <laughs> Mr. Swanson. How are you? Hey, and infected. Yes, I'm infected apparently. And so you're very busy I'm because okay. because tons of recruiting going on for the uh, for the Trojans. Yeah, USC just wants to make sure that I never get a day off. Well, ever. there you go. I mean, you'll have Christmas off, we hope. Unless, no, you know, a lawsuit happens or somebody gets fired. You know, it'll be fine. I, I'm sure they'll offer a kid and someone will commit and I'll work all through Christmas. So We've got team awards ahead. We've got recruiting. We've got questions from the message board. We might even mention the USC basketball team. But I start with offensive tackle Zach Banner. He is going to be back. Give us the scoop, Adam J. Maya. Well, he... Uh he changed course here. He had intimated that he would be leaving early, and then he has uh, changed his mind, or maybe not. Never know with him, but he's coming back, and I think this is a really big deal. I felt like he was uh, an improving player, but most importantly, they don't have a lot of depth at tackle, and he might be their their best left tackle. He only played that position one game. He played right tackle the majority of the year. But you get him back, I think you give a, a long, hard look at him at left tackle now. Uh, yeah, it's it's big. It's big that Zach Banner's back. They need, as Adam mentioned, they need depth at that position. They need some more bodies. 
they needed him to improve as well. Um, I think it's really only big if uh, if he does take that leap that I think everybody is hoping that he does take and has been expecting him to take. You know, he's he he has some issues in his game. I want to see some improvement, but I think that you know the. He could be very good, a very good college player. Uh, everything's there to work out. He just has to make it work, and I think that coming back for another year gives him that chance and gives him a chance to develop a little bit more before uh, before the NFL starts taking a look at him. And I think it's the smart move. I think it could do nothing really but help his career. Well, they're taking a look at him. We might not think that he's ready or a refined player, but what a palette. You're talking about a kid that is about six foot nine, maybe three hundred and seventy pounds, and while it might have been a bit of a project at the next level, he would have been drafted. I think he would have been drafted a lot higher than a lot of USC fans think he should have been drafted. And he could have left. And I think by coming back, he'll likely improve that draft stock. And I, I agree with you, Chris. He would. He needs to improve, but he was in a, in a situation that not many people are in. Where do I go early and and get paid, and you know, end up in a situation where people are going to invest in me and give me time and the resources to to be good. You know, he 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 wouldn't show up and and get cut. You know, because he he wasn't a, a finished product, they would have they would have like I think really invested a lot into him. Or do you come back and maybe get better? The problem is he'll be playing for another line coach, and I, I believe he's played for a different line coach every year, right? Yeah. Um. Well. Yes, one year they returned his line coach, but they added a line coach as well. So he played for two that year. Um, what year are you referring to? 2013. Right. Okay. Mike. Yeah, with Mike but, Summers. Yeah, but uh, I mean, he, he, he didn't even play. I mean, no. he, he played two years and had two different coaches. Yeah. So he had different coaches that were preparing him to play. And then he, he had two different coaches while he played. And he'll have a third one. And that, that's harder than you might think on, on a player's development. So I, I commend him. I commend him for making um, a very mature decision. But I don't think he would have been wrong for leaving. Um, I think he's better off coming back. But I just don't think that you know anybody going to the NFL is, uh, you know, you just can't judge the kids for, for leaving. The game is too, too brutal. And, and it, you can lose your career on any play. Oh yeah, I would tell anybody. Uh, honestly, I would recommend to anybody if they if they are going to get drafted to leave after you know as soon as possible. I was going to say after their junior year, but I guess I should say as soon as possible because it's a dangerous game. You can get hurt. Um, you know when you spend all that time on call, you know on campus during the summer, you're probably close to being graduated anyway. By the time you're in year three or you are graduated. So I would always recommend go, leave, uh, get paid while you can. Make sure you get paid before you get hurt. But I think in this case, it, it can actually be argued it's a good idea for, for Zach to get a little bit more time to develop, even though he is going to have a new offensive line coach again, as you mentioned. Yeah, I, 
now they have the opportunity to bring back pretty much everyone that they started a year ago. I think that's a big deal as well. Um, Max Turk obviously will be moving on. He only played about half the year, but with that, you know, with all the injuries they had, they started about, I think, you know, seven, eight other people, and Banner was the, the one that we weren't sure about. I don't think Chad Wheeler will leave. So you bring back both your tackles. You bring back Toa Lovengang, who can play center or guard. And you bring back Vianney Kalmaval, Damian Mama, Quill Rogers, Nico Fala. They, they can have a good line. We thought that this year, and it didn't materialize the way that they had hoped. Injuries were a part of it, but even when they had everybody healthy early in the year, they weren't very good. They were okay. And a lot of questions to be answered, I think, about where people will play. Um, I think it's worth exploring right now, where would you want to see everyone play? You know, if, if it's spring ball right now, Chris, who would you put where? Day one. Uh, I mean, I think that, I think that now it's a little bit easier to kind of slot people in. There's like less controversy because before I thought Max Turk was kind of out of position at the center and I would have wanted to see him move. I'm kind of okay with where everybody is, uh, right now, I guess, uh, you know, I you mentioned Zach Banner could play left tackle, so maybe you move him over there, you know, if Chuma Doga's ready or whatever. Um, I kind of like the competition at center between Khalil Rogers and, and Nico Fala, so I think I'd I'd leave Toa at guard when he comes back. Uh, and, and Toa won't of, come back till the fall. Yeah. But, you know, kind of make that, that guard position a little bit deeper and, and, you know, make more of a rotation in there or whatever. So that's, that's kind of the only thing I see is I would stick toe at guard and I'd let center just figure itself out with the guys you have now because they seem to be doing a pretty good job. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in spring, I think it won't be too difficult to slot everybody. But then when Toa comes back, it's kind of like a year ago when Chad Wheeler came back in the fall and you had had Toa at his spot for all of spring and early fall and then now you had to move him. And I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I like Toa probably best at guard and then center, but my feeling is that he would be there in center if he's healthy and that... Damian Viani would be the guard, and Khalil and Nico Fala would be kind of the odd man out, rotation, backup, platooning. And I like what you said, though. Put Banner at left, at least give him some reps there. And if Shuma Doga is ready at right tackle, then Shad Wheeler has to win a spot. I, I feel like there should be more competition. I think that's always a good thing. You have to win your spot. Yeah, I agree. I I'm just concerned with how good they're going to be next year with another new offensive line coach, and I I just I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think that creating some competition could help them become a, a solid unit. I just I think it might be a struggle, honestly, to become a solid unit. I know they have talent, but 
they've been changing coaches so often, moving pieces around so often. I question, you know, whether or not they've set some of these guys back a lot, and uh, if they're playing too, you know, too uh, catch up too early in their career and too often. And it'll be interesting. I think they definitely have the talent to be one of the top offensive lines in the Pac-12. But you know, can they actually get it together? Because this year they were way worse than they were supposed to be. Yeah, and then, I mean, and they ended up rallying. I felt like they ended up in a good spot by the end of the year, given all the injuries and all the turnover and change. But let's not forget, early in the year, they were not a great unit, and they had brought back everyone, literally everybody, and they should have been further along than they were. Um, I think hiring a coordinator will go a long way. I think that then you can kind of identify what type of offense you want to be. Um, we're, we're looking at you know, Max Brown likely being a quarterback and the type of line that you want to build around him. What kind of run game do you want to have? They have big linemen and they didn't really play a, a power run game until the middle of the year. And so it didn't feel like they were using their personnel or that they were really designing the offense around their personnel the way that they could have. So I think that um, if they continue what they were doing, maybe maybe it won't be such a, a huge transition with the new line coach because I think people will be doing things that they're best suited for. And a lot of questions coming in about the future of Clay Helton and uh, some of the coaches from the message board at Trojansports.com. We're going to get to that in just a few moments when we uh, dive into those questions later on in the show. How about team awards time? You guys ready? You got your gifts underneath the tree? You got your boxes? We thought this would be a a nice little bit here. USC gave out their team awards a few days ago, and I didn't like them. (laughs) I... (laughs) I, they try to get almost everybody involved and act nice and everything, but at least give the people that are deserving, uh, you know, give them their award. And I felt like they were a little bit too convenient the way that they were spread out. And we're not going to do that here. We're gonna we have our our list here of our own awards, and I think you'll enjoy them. And uh, they they should make for a good debate, but. At least there's no bureaucracy here. You know, we're we're not playing favorites. We have no one to uh, to please. Well, we begin. Drum roll, please, and some fun team awards music. Play of the year. All right, I'm gonna go with the run by Ronald Jones versus Arizona, where he scooted up the field about I think maybe 35, 40 yards, and. He, like, juked a couple defenders. He juked Gavin Mitchell, who's trying to give him a downfield block. And then he, like, ran into one of them. I think he cut the wrong way. And he ran into one of the defenders. But then he improvised, had a a nice little stiff arm, and and pretty much bounced off. I mean, I don't know if he knocked over the defender with a stiff arm or basically just, you know, kind of like a bowling ball, his momentum. He bounced off and... And finish the play for, I think, a 74-yard touchdown. Point game, fourth quarter. Kind of figured it would be that way. But Jones trying to change that. Jones on the loose. Still on his feet. Breaking loose. Jones doing it. Touchdown. Just a, a quirky play. But um, that, that top speed, um, the acceleration, uh, the vision, 
you know, <laughs> good and bad for Ronald. It, it was an awesome play. It was my favorite play. It, it's the one that, to me, stands out from the entire year. And it is that play that inspired me to call him Rojo, by the way. There you go. Crispy Swanson, wow. your play of the year for the USC Trojans. I'm going to go with Adore Jackson's punt return for a touchdown against UCLA. Uh while it, it, you know, USC's defense had a lot to do with that play back in UCLA up, and the Trojans were going to get good field position and, and look to kind of, you know, separate themselves in that game anyway. I thought that that play really, you know, kind of blew that game open, gave USC a lead, and you know, put them in position to to take control of the crosstown rivalry again. So to me, that's the one that stands out as the most exciting. Um, play the the play that is really i think gonna kind of be the the banner play for their year the one that when people think what happened this year that was good for usc oh they beat ucla how did they do it in many ways but one of them was adory jackson you know taking that punt back for a touchdown adory jackson is loose adory jackson's in the end zone touchdown no flags on the very good. Okay, moving along. Team awards here on the Trojan Sports Podcast. We go to top assistant. Adam J. Maya, your choice. Mm, you want to take that one or you want me to go, Chris? Take that one, Adam. You're not ready, are you? <laughs> no, if I if I gave my opinion, people would think I'm a jerk again. So yeah. you, 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 are, you being you thought have... of as a Grinch? Never. No. You only have to pick one. All right. I'm going to go with Bob Connolly. And we talked about how they got off to a slow start on the offensive line. And I think he came into a probably a weird situation to becoming, you know, being a third or fourth coach in as many years to take over that unit. And he dealt with Chad Wheeler not being ready in fall camp. That's starting left tackle. So he has Tolo Vendon at left tackle. And then... You have Max Turk, who we discussed, probably miscast, but he inherited that, you know, and Turk was already at center the year before, and so I don't know how much authority he had to move him. Anyway, there was a lot going on, and I think he made a, a lot out of a messy situation by the middle of the year. Turk is out for the year. Tola's out for the year. They're probably the two best linemen on the team. And he's down with third string center and Quill Rogers, who played really well there. And Nico Fala played well there, fourth string center, after Khalil goes down. Um, they didn't really miss a beat when people went down. And, and so while maybe they weren't playing at the level that they should have been with everybody healthy, I thought they actually were a little bit better when people got injured. And um, we saw Vianney tell my vow, take a step forward. We saw Zach Banner take a step forward. He was all-conference first team. You can debate that all you want, but he definitely improved. And I just thought that, you know, this unit improved. If they would have kept him, you know, I, I don't think that that would have been a, a bad decision where we were, you know, voicing our displeasure over some of the people they did keep or supporting the fact that they got rid of some other assistants Connolly was one that you thought, well, if you bring him back, that would make sense. And they were going in the right direction. So that's my pick. Yeah, so you fire that guy, right? <laughs> well, they fire that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what you do. Like, that's, 
if you if your best assistant, you know, you take your best assistant who's doing a great job, you fire him. So Adam, what is uh did you give him a uh you know an intelligence award out to USC's <laughs> athletic department or something? Wow. I don't know who I'd pick for top assistant, honestly. Uh I thought they kind of underachieved everywhere this year. That's just my opinion. So I don't I don't really know how you pick a guy. I almost want to give it to Kenoto Hudson because of all the work he's doing in Florida right now on the recruiting trail, you know, as somebody who's probably not paid well enough to be doing that much work. So that's kind of who I lean towards, but I'm not really sure who to give it to because I thought they really all just underachieved. I think maybe the, the easy choice would be Clay Helton because he went from assistant to head coach, but I don't yeah. want to give it to him either. So uh, I punt this one away. How about that? Come on. I, d- I, I Okay, you're giving it to a guy. This is the guy you picked. He got fired and yeah. USC fans hate him. Like, that's your choice, Adam. So is it really so crazy if I go, I don't want to give it to anybody. I don't think that's nuts. That's a good point. I think they underachieved. No top assistance this year. There you go. As someone once said, no soup for you. Time for the next uh, (laughs) uh, award here. Top practice player. I actually want to start with Chris P. Swanson. I just want to hear what he said. We're talking about practice because i'm the usc nazi right yeah. is that whoa whoa that's, whoa that's, whoa 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 not that's at the, the hop- side come on this is a friend this is a show that's a friend of michael lev let's not top I practice understand. player it is the holiday season let's have some spirit but i do want to hear your top practice player crispy swanson we're talking about practice man okay well my top practice player i'm gonna go with juju smith the guy that uh is uh, pretty much arguably the top game player too uh you know just Coming back so soon after fracturing his hand, not missing a beat, always showing up and practice, play, practicing, you know, like it's the national championship game, flying everywhere, throwing his body around. I think it's Juju Smith Schuster. I, I think that it's kind of obvious. So, you know, right now, Adam's going to come in and tell me how wrong I am. Adam. No, no, I, I think Juju is a beautiful pick. And I would agree. He does practice like there's a championship game on the line that weekend. Um, I, I find no fault in that. In fact, they actually had to tell him to relax and slow down a little bit in practice. That's not who I'm going to give it to, though. I have other awards saved for Juju. Um, I am going to spread it out a little bit here. Okay, top practice player. I wanted to honor somebody here for their hustle, for their effort, for their competitiveness, for their presence on a day-in, day-out basis at practice whether it's off-season or during the season. And I'm going to give it to Scott Felix. He's someone who I felt showed up every day and approached practice like it was Saturday. And I just really admired the way that he went about his business. Can I just point out that Adam said that he hated the USC team awards because they spread the love a little bit too much. That's a good point. You know, stretched it out, tried yeah. to give it to people that maybe didn't deserve it. And then on this topic, he says, oh, Juju's a great pick, but I have enough awards for him, and I'm going to spread it out a little bit. I just want to point that out. Crispy no, I mean, Swanson, I- not in the holiday spirit today. Not in the holiday spirit. Adam is doing exactly what USC did. Well, let's see. No, let's continue the list no, and just see. Let's see. And then we'll, no. we'll see at the end. This was about hustle. Well, it's about hustle. Like Scott Felix brought that. Okay, Adam. And nobody okay. knows hustle like Adam J. Maya. Next That's on the true. list here. I feel like I should be wearing a tuxedo. Most promising. Adam J. Maya, a man who always thinks of positivity. 
Okay. Well, I I don't think that Chris will bash my pick here. But if you do, then that's cool too. My pick is true freshman receiver Deontay Burnett. I think he's a player that can break out next year. I think he was on the verge of a breakout this year. And <laughs> that good old staff might have held him back. Um, he had a mini breakout versus Notre Dame. He had three catches, 53 yards, some big plays in that game. And then didn't really play a lot versus Utah the following game. And then he came back and led the team in receiving yards versus Cal. And they rewarded that by not really playing him again <laughs> the rest of the year, the final five games. So we never know what they're doing. But Burnett, they, they were looking for a number two receiver. Maybe they weren't looking for it, and that's why they didn't play him. But he, he can be that guy. He can be the complimentary Juju. He can be a downfield threat. And he's someone who we thought would redshirt at the beginning of the year. And then they burned that redshirt early in the year in game two and, and still didn't really use him a lot until the halfway point. So not a lot of rhyme or reason with his usage, but he flashed greatness. And I think that Burnett shows a lot of promise at a position where they need more. So I'm going to bash this pick that Adam just made. I'm going to bash Why? the make your own out pick. of it. No, I am going to make my own pick, but I'm going to bash this one too. Adam is about to be the victim of a Chris Swanson rant. Here we uh, go. Cue the music. Cue the music. Exactly. Oh cue the music. I don't understand, Adam, how you pick Deontay Burnett as your most promising player when there's like an abundance of freshmen to pick that have done more, played bigger roles, and maybe possibly, and I believe so, showed more promise than Burnett. I mean, you have our good friend Rojo at running back who broke the uh, the freshman record at USC. Biggie Marshall's playing a big role at corner as a, as a freshman. Marvell Tell's playing a big role at safety as a freshman. Cam Smith, even though he hurt himself, you know, is maybe their best linebacker as and a make freshman. Make your pick. Ma- <laughs> I know. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just letting everyone know how many other choices there are. Please don't interrupt the rant already in progress. (laughs) I know. Come on, Adam. Don't make me angry. (laughs) I, I don't have Pat Hayden to bash this week, so I have to bash you, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Ronald Jones. Going our good friend Rojo. Uh, I think if you break, you know, a freshman rushing record at USC, that's you know a place that's had what like five Heisman Trophy winning running backs. You're showing some promise. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Jones. I'm saying that, you know, Cam Smith, Marvell Tell, Biggie Marshall, all right there, right below him. But I think Jones just, uh, you know, showed a little bit more, had a little bit more opportunity maybe too to show uh, his stuff than some of those other guys. And, you know, to me, he, he has the most promise because he could be the best running back in the country in a few years. I like it. <laughs> You're so nice. Now I feel bad. You know what we need? I think we need the best Chris P. Swanson rant of uh, of this fall. We might have to do that next week as part of our awards. Okay, next up, the top interview. Adam J. Mai, I go to you first just so Chris can bash it after you do it. Uh, we'll probably pick the same guy. I, Stuart Cravens wins in the landslide. Um, he might be the best interview that... I've had my entire career. Really? Yeah, I'm, he's up there. I, 
I would say Lindell would have been number one. And while I appreciate Lindell White um, being down to say anything, even even a lot that he shouldn't, um, I learn a lot from from Sua. I, he'll he'll really he'll break down people on the other team. He can break down any player on his own team on either side of the ball. He can give you a full scouting report. Um, he's usually pretty pretty honest, pretty realistic, um, accountable. I, I don't know. I A very mature guy, a, a pro. And we're going to miss him because tomorrow we expect that he'll declare for the NFL draft. There you go. Mr. Swanson. Yeah, I think Sue Cravens is a great pick. I'm not going to bash you or go on a rant about that. But I'm going to pick somebody else. <laughs> I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm actually going to pick a coach. Coach which I know surpri- Exactly. I know that surprises you because, you know, they're never around after the games. It's like they're off limits or something after the games. We can never talk to them. But, you know, one of these coaches really stands out to me. I'm going to go with uh, Justin Wilcox. My boy Jay Wow, as I like to call him, uh, because he's a coach that doesn't dumb anything down for you. I over my career, my career, you know, doing this, I've I've noticed that a lot of coaches will kind of give you answers that are too simple and too you know stupid for our for our readers, honestly, just because they're trying to make sure that we understand all the technical stuff that goes on. They really dumb it down. Uh, Justin Wilcox does not do that. He's often rolling. On, on a football rant and you're just sitting there with your recorder, you know, hoping that you know enough that Google can tell you enough so that you can actually write the thing out. Cause he's using terms that, you know, just fly right over my head. I think fly over most people's head. Uh, so I like Justin Wilcox. Uh, I'm going to also talk about an interview that I remember specifically when I was, uh, I asked him if he thought his scheme actually fit the players that they had. Cause I, I don't know if you guys remember, I went off on a, on a rant about how uh, USC should be playing a four or three and they play a, a, what they call a three, four, four, three hybrid, predominantly a three, four though. Anyway, my boy Jay wow told me, um, there are snakes that exist in both worlds. And I just thought that was the greatest quote ever. I love that quote. And that will always stand out to me um, as long, you know, along with his, his football talk. That's so handy and so impressive. So I'm giving it to Jay. Wow. Justin Wilcox. You're the top interview this year. Hope to see you down the line somewhere. My friend. There you go. Wow. That was a terrible pick. Thank you. <laughs> Jay. Wow, baby. I'm not just saying that because you chided me for my pick. That was just a terrible pick. Okay. You don't enjoy, you know, a little Justin Wilcox interview? That's not your thing? I did. I actually thought he was one of the better coaches to talk to, but terrible pick. Moving okay. On. We move on to on our team awards here on the Trojan Sports Podcast <laughs> to most underrated player, Adam Jemaya. Ah... Uh... Okay. Kind of a tough one. I feel like there are a handful here. I'm going to go with Justin Davis. He was a running back that like, no one wanted, it seemed like, at times. I remember before the year, noting him as one of the most indispensable players on the team. And I got blasted for it because everyone said, well, 
there's Trey Madden, and you got the great freshman coming. How could you call Justin Davis indispensable? When I thought, well, I think he has potential run for 1,200 yards if he's your feature back. And he didn't get there because he wasn't the feature back for long enough in the season. And he was a little bit banged up early in the year. But he ended up carrying them for the second half of the year on offense and became their best running back by the end of the year. And he, he's not as, uh, as sexy as Ronald Jones, right? And he doesn't have the, the power and maybe not as all-around as Trey Madden. And so he's probably that third guy, or he was that third guy for a lot of people. Uh, when he came in the game, you know, he, he wasn't someone that initially you wanted to, to ride. And he proved, I think he proved a lot of people wrong. I think that he's a smart runner. He has great vision. Um, he doesn't, he can cut, but he doesn't try to do too much. And sometimes they ran him horizontally, and that was bad. And that didn't turn out well. And I felt like he probably had the most plays in which there was someone in the backfield the moment that he got the ball. And so he had quite a few negative runs that weren't his fault. But you have him running north and south, and he was their their best pure runner. Now, Ronald Jones has a higher ceiling and can can do quite a bit more and a, a whole different kind of athlete. But I think Justin got the most out of what he had and really what was, like I said, at the end of the day, their best running back. So that's my pick for the most underrated player in the team. Mr. Swanson. Yeah, he's, he's the most underrated player on the team because he carried their run game for the past, you know, few games or so second second leading rusher a guy that people were clamoring to have the ball in his hands i disagree with you again adam in case you can tell i don't i don't think justin davis is underrated i mean maybe he is underrated but not by us but by the maxes but i don't know if after that streak he had that you could call him that i think this is kind of obvious i'm picking chris hawkins safety chris hawkins Chalk? chalk our boy chalk as their most underrated player. Um, basically, just because looking at his stats after the year, how it compared to some of the other defensive backs you know, on the team and in the conference, knowing now that he, had, he was basically responsible for lining up the defense and getting other players to play fast, you know, you look at the message boards every game and somebody finds a reason to say something bad about Chris Hawkins, it seems. And I think he's improved tremendously. Uh, I think he's underrated. I think he's their best safety right now. They need him, uh, even though it seems like they sometimes they try to figure out ways to you know make sure he's not in the lineup or whatever. I feel like they need him. I think he's underrated. Uh, I'll give you a, a look ahead too. He's probably going to be my pick for most improved as well. Okay, thank you for ruining that award. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, don't worry. We I, still have the Adam version of it. Can we right. move on? There we go. Yep. For it. Top freshman. Crispy Swanson, let's start with you. Is it a surprise who I'm going to pick here? I mean, I named him the most promising player on the team. Uh, it's Ronald Jones. I mean, for the same reasons. If you break that record 
with all the running backs that have come through USC, it's running back university, five Heisman Trophy winners at the position. You break that freshman record. You know, Glendale White and Reggie Bush were just here a decade ago, and you break that record. It's Jones. It has to be. He's the top freshman. He's the guy, you know, that that has uh, has the resume, has proven it, has done something to really distinguish himself from the other freshmen. A lot of great play this year from the freshmen, but Ronald Jones did something to to kind of separate himself from that group. So that's my pick. Mr. Maya. I'm going to go with the defensive freshman of the year, linebacker Cameron Smith, who we thought would be good, right? I mean, we... We didn't underestimate his ability to play, but to be arguably their best linebacker, to be the, the top freshman defensive player in the conference, he came in with Porter Gustin, Olsen Messina, John Houston Jr. They were all five stars, and Cameron Smith was a five star on the field, had a tremendous year, and probably would have been all conference had he not gotten injured late in the year. Um, he was a freshman All-American. I I mean, really impressed. Really impressed with the physicality and the scabbiness of a, of a first-year player. That's my pick. There you go. Nice I hate that. all of Adam's picks. <laughs> no, you don't. Come on. Oh, I, I hate them all. Moving along. Comeback player of the year, Adam J. Maya. All right. Usually this would go to a guy who was coming off a major injury, didn't play the year before, or was very limited. And I think there are a couple people that are observing. You can look at Trey Madden or Lamar Johnson. But I'm going to go in another direction here for Comeback Player of the Year. I'm going to go with Chris Hawkins. And I like him in this, for this award because we all know that he struggled mightily at cornerback last year as a redshirt freshman. Then he comes back and changes position, safety. It's not a position that he had played. It's not even a position that he really wanted to play, but he was down because he went on the field. And as Chris Swanson attested, he was their best safety this year. And I just think that, you know, you can call that a comeback. I think that he found a role for himself. A lot of other players would have been stubborn. They might have transferred. They might have, you know, kind of stood on the bench or, or been uh, kind of a utility player. And he was much more than that. He started the entire year at safety and played really, really well, and they needed him back there. And I think had a lot to do with the success they had on defense this year. So... Um, coming off of a, a hard year, his first year on the playing field, and I think he made quite a comeback. I think that's a good pick. Um, I wouldn't disagree with that one at all, but I'm going to pick somebody else just you know, to keep things a little bit different. I'm going to go Chad Wheeler. Um, I know that you know it might not have been as good of a year as people expected from him, maybe not even his strongest year, but I think coming off the injury that he did, uh, come off of after you know last season ending abruptly for him to come back and be able to play to give them an option at left tackle when I really felt like they would have had trouble if he wasn't there. Uh, I know Zach Banner slid over there for a game, but I don't know if that's a permanent solution this season at least. And 
I don't know what they would have really done if Chad Wheeler hadn't been able to find his way back into the lineup. So I think while a lot of people are going to say we expected more from Chad Wheeler uh, this year, we expect him to be better. I think he's still it's still a great comeback to be able to come back from that injury and play and start. I got to give it to Chad Wheeler. Cool. Very nice. Next on our list, most improved. Crispy Swanson, why don't you take it away? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I think this is another category where you could say Chris Hawkins. Uh, we've kind of beat that to death, what he's done and been able to do uh, after struggling last season. I'm actually going to say, though, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh you know, change it up a little bit. That might surprise right. people because he was so good last year. But you got to remember last year, he was an afterthought uh, in the receiving core. He still managed to make an impact, but he was definitely not the number one guy. Nelson Aguilar was that. And uh, he's arguably the best receiver in the country now. Uh, so to me, that's most improved. I know a lot of people might think that's silly because he was good before but to take that jump from you know i'm a second receiver an afterthought a freshman to i might be the best receiver in the country i think that's a that's a quantum leap and that's why i'm giving it to juju smith schuster yeah i mean I, i like that i think he improved a lot and i think he improved gradually throughout the season and through the course of the year so i'm in support of it my pick for that award He's going to Antoine Woods. He's someone that a lot of people crowned as a, you know, a, a stalwart of the defense and a big-time player coming into the year. And I didn't see that. I, I did not see that last year. I, I felt like he had played better earlier in his career. And I was waiting for it and waiting to, to see this Antoine Woods that everybody was talking about. And even... You know, early in the year, still waiting, and I think by that by that midpoint again, something that that happened, something happened when Coach Helton took over, and Antoine became one of their best players in the team, and I thought he had a huge second half. He ended up winning All Conference First Team honors, and uh, I just thought he showed great improvement in like mid season, which. It's kind of rare, and especially from a veteran. You're talking about a fifth-year senior. And so um, really impressed by what he was able to do uh, over the second half of the season especially. And I just thought that he showed great improvement. So that's my pick. Very nice. Look at you guys keeping it so nice these next few. I, I know. We haven't been fighting. It's, I know. It's, it's almost like we took a break and calmed down or something. You would think that. <laughs> Next up on the list, we go top linemen on either side of the ball, and we kick it to Adam J. Maya. Kick it! All right. I like that. Um, you got that, right, Beastie Boys? Yes. Okay. That's <laughs> no so idea. topical, as Chris Morales would say. Yes, I like it. Yes, our own version of the Lombardi Award, except we're not going to give it to a linebacker here. But I thought the top linemen on either side of the ball for USC this year was Delvon Simmons, who had a strong case, I thought, for first-team all-conference. He ended up getting second-team all-conference, whatever. I felt like he was their most consistent player. He also came on later in the year, showed uh, a great deal of improvement, made a jump. But I just felt like it had a, a pretty nice impact 
throughout the season. And we know that the, the defensive line wasn't always able to generate the, the pressure that you'd like to see. But I felt like he was someone that was a lot more productive and reliable uh, on that line. And ended up with eight and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, a couple forced fumbles, blocked a field goal. I, I just felt like he had a, you know, a great year. I completely agree. I don't really think you what? can argue against Delvon Simmons <laughs> for this award at all. You, okay? you can't. I guess so, but you really can't argue against Delvon Simmons. Who else is there? It's Delvon Simmons. He was the guy. He was the man this year. He was very good. He's really the only player on either side of the line that I could say, oh, he was really good this year. It's Delvon Simmons. It's obvious. MVP. Maybe this one will cause some controversy. Adam J. Maya, take it away. I really doubt it. I'm going with Juju, who was, I thought, by a good margin, the best player on the team. Um, even through injury, he showed up every game, had a big game, nearly every game, and a, a couple of the games where you know he he wasn't as impactful. Uh, he made it count in other ways, um, whether it was blocking or just his enthusiasm, um, his leadership. But l- let's not let's not mistake it. I mean, he had a big time year, eighty five catches. 1,389 yards. I think that put him fourth on the, the all-time single-season list at USC. He had 10 touchdowns, so he averaged over 100 yards per game, played through a broken hand, came back from that, and had one of his biggest games of the year against Arizona the week that he broke it. Sometimes there's a lot of debate over what the V means, what the value means, and MVP, and... I look at the most outstanding player. I think that, you know, the most outstanding player is the most valuable, you know, by virtue of him being outstanding. And there wasn't a better player on this team. No one had a better season than Juju Smith-Schuster, who is only a sophomore. And so um, I was very surprised that he didn't get this award um, from the team. I, again, I think that they were trying to kind of spread the love there, and that's fine. But no one can look me in the eye and tell me that they think someone else had a better year than Juju Smith-Schuster at USC this year. Well, I have a different MVP, so I guess I'm going to look you right in the eye yeah. and say that. You do it. Yeah, I, when I see uh, you, I want you to look at me. I, I will say, though, I did think that naming Adore Jackson MVP was... Um, strange to say the least i i don't see it at all i thought that most of the year he really didn't have the kind of impact we expected him to have i almost felt like they named him mvp to because of what he can be not what he was this year but uh, i think juju smith schuster is obviously a great choice uh, i'd pick him over dory jackson he would be my number two i'm gonna go with sua cravens though leading tackler a guy that you know, every offense has to game plan around every time uh, USC takes the field uh, on a team that really uh, where defense led the way for them the second half of the year. Uh, I've, I felt like Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, his impact 
it wasn't as great towards the end of the season, maybe because of all the injuries, maybe because of teams, you know, accounting for him more than they were at the beginning of the year. I feel like Sue Cravens always makes an impact and, you know, it almost always shows up on the stats. And if it's not, it's because nobody will run to his side of the field, most likely. So I'm going to go Sue Cravens as MVP with Juju Smith-Schuster as a close second. Hmm. I love Sue, but... Hmm. That's Adam doesn't hmm. like my pick. That's a lot of. He doesn't hmm. like my pick. He doesn't like. Just say it, Adam. Just <laughs> can we cue the Bowser music and let Adam Maya go on a rant now? Hey, it's about time. We're, we're a democratic uh, publication. So. Okay, okay, there you go. So MVP That's in the books. to me. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for top five players. I think we can all, all right. guess five, but uh, why don't you take it away, Adam? We can. Well, I'm just going based on the list we've already, I mean, we've talked about more than five, but I think we can all assume five here. So why don't you go? I'll go ahead. I'll take this one. All right. Here are my top five players of the year. Number five, Justin Davis, because I thought that he kind of took control of the offense later in the year with his with that rushing attack. I like him at number five. Number four, I'm going Cam Smith because he was one of the most impactful players on defense despite missing some games due to injury. He's one of their leading tacklers. I like him a lot. Number three, I'm going Delvon Simmons because I think he was probably the most impactful player along the defensive line. He made some big plays for USC this year. Might have been the reason they beat Colorado as well. I like him at number three. Number two, I'm going Juju Smith-Schuster. He might have been their best offensive weapon. Actually, I think that's probably obvious. Juju Smith-Schuster at number two. Number one, Sua Cravens, uh, who probably won't be back next year, will probably be announcing for the NFL. I think the teams just have to game plan for him so much. He makes such an impact on defense. He's my top Trojan of the year. There you go. Speedy and concise. Thank you, Mr. Swanson. You're welcome. Okay. Number five. Justin Davis. Number four, Adore Jackson. Number three, Cameron Smith, who actually tied to it for the team lead in tackles despite playing three less games. Number two, Sua Cravens. And then number one, USC's All-American, Juju Smith-Schuster. Very nicely done. Very similar list, too. Very good. Well, there you go. Some team awards from Crispy Swanson, Adam J. Maya, and Trojansports.com. Having a little fun. I think they were better than the actual team awards, right? Much better. There you go. All right. We can take a short break. We've got a big recruiting slate up ahead, a little bit on the USC basketball team, and your questions from the message board at Trojansports.com. That's all ahead. That is all ahead on this edition of the Trojan Sports Podcast. You're listening to this week's edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and never miss a moment of your favorite fellas yapping about your Trojans each week. Plus, some fun and frivolity along the way. Okay, I I don't think you realize, uh, last week in the podcast, you pronounced Rojo as Rojo. Did I? You did. Wow. Stay locked in. More of the Trojansports.com podcast next. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by rivals. Hi, this is Chris Morales. 
from Yahoo Sports Radio. For years, I've been an avid consumer of energy drinks. They gave me physical energy, but recently I discovered how to get more mental energy, and we could all use that, with a little help from Mental Bright. Yes, Mental Bright is a health supplement for the brain. Mental Bright helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. Mental Bright is amazing. It's even helped my golf game. Go to mentalbright.com right now and learn more, because this will give you mental health. Mentalbright.com. The shortest breaks known to man. The boys are back. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. And remember, everything you need for the best in-depth coverage of the Trojan, from recruiting to the message boards you love. It all lives on Trojansports.com from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. Back on the Trojan Sports Podcast for your Tuesday, December 15th, 2015. Adam J. Maya has taken a slight break, but he's going to join us in just moments to get down to the questions from the message board. We get to recruiting Blair and Guo, not able to join us this week, but that's okay because the maven, Crispy Swanson, is here. And I kick it to you, my friend, to get us into the recruiting fun and frivolity. Yeah, okay, no problem. Um, well, first of all, this is the dead period now, but there was a lot of activity uh, before we got to this point uh, with USC before, you know, they, they couldn't contact kids anymore. There's a, a lot of in-home visits. We saw tweets going out, you know, all the time from guys like Matt Fink, uh, Josh Emer to Bay Bay, you know, just, just coaches coming in and, and showing some love and, and really, uh, really kind of getting these commits solidified, I think. Uh, so there's a lot of activity with the in-home visits. If you're on Trojansports.com, and you're all the, on the message boards. You saw it all. Uh, we caught up with some guys after in-home visits and got all the latest from that. But that's pretty much that's wrapped up for the moment because we are uh, we are in the dead period and that's over. But still a lot of uh, recruiting activity outside of those visits. Uh, obviously, USC had a huge uh, official visit, uh, visitors weekend this past weekend. Hosted a lot of guys, mostly their their commits. They're early enrollees, um, but you know a couple of guys that, that weren't committed that were there were uh, Wole Bitiku, uh, the the Gardena Sarah outside linebacker, rush end, defensive end guy, who we all believe will end up as a Trojan eventually. We had an update with him on on our site; uh, no one else had it, so check that out. He had a great time at USC; saw a lot. Uh, as as I said, we expect USC to get him. Another guy that they had over the weekend that isn't you know a commit, isn't an early enrollee, and is looking is a BYU commit cornerback Troy Warner that USC actually just offered a scholarship to this past week. They've been recruiting him for a while, but now they're you know they're really after him. They've offered him. He's visited. He should figure out you know whether or not he's going to BYU or USC soon. BYU doesn't have a coach that might help. Uh, USC out a bit. So Troy Warner and Wally Batiku are really the two guys to keep an eye on because they're the two uncommitted prospects. The other guys that were there, Matt Fink, Liam Jimmins, Michael Pittman, CJ Pollard, uh, Nathan Smith are all committed. I almost forgot to mention, you know, the biggest visitor of the weekend, an uncommitted prospect, EJ Price, offensive tackle from Lawrenceville, Georgia, made it out to USC this weekend as well. Uh, we're trying to catch up with him. That would be huge if SC is able to add him as he's 
probably one of the better offensive linemen in the country. But from what I've been told, it seems like Oklahoma might be the leader for him right now. Uh, he, he might get out of the South, but not too far away from home. USC might just be a little bit too far away. But uh, EJ Price is, is huge getting him out on a visit. We'll see what happens uh, with USC and EJ. But I think right now, the two really to watch are Patiku and Warner because those are the two guys that visited that they could really get uh, that they could end up signing. So keep an eye out for them. But, gosh, even more news outside yes. of that. Lots of new scholarships going out this week, this past week. We mentioned Troy Warner. Um, that was just really the tip of it. Uh, USC hit Florida hard. They had an in-home visit with uh, Javon Myers, brother of Nate Craig Myers. Uh, I was told by uh, Myers' stepfather that Javon, it's very likely that he's going to be taking an official visit to USC. His brother, Nate Craig, who's the five-star prospect, uh, might join him on that official visit as well. So that would be huge for USC. He was really excited to get that scholarship offer. A name like USC is huge. Uh, yes, even more scholarship offers uh, really going out in Florida besides just that in-home visit with uh, Javon Myers, as I mentioned. USC offered a scholarship to athlete defensive back Jamel Cook from Miami Central High School in Miami, Florida. He's currently committed to Florida State. We're looking to catch up with him and see uh, if he has any interest in USC, but he's currently a Florida State commit. It's hard to imagine USC really pulling him away from the Seminoles, but we will see. They did just offer him a scholarship, so maybe uh, you know that changes things up a bit. Uh, another scholarship offer that the USC made out in Florida uh, to University of Florida to commit Ja'Kai Polite. Uh, Kenota Hudson's been doing a lot of work down there, and he got a scholarship offer this past week too. And uh, he told me that he'd be taking an official visit to USC January 22nd. So look out for him to be on campus, and maybe you know SC has a shot uh, getting polite away from the Gators. That'd be a that'd be a big pickup for them. They need uh, you know more linebackers, more guys like that. Um, also, you know another offer out. More locally, it's hard to call it local. It is in California, though. But uh, to a 2017 prospect, that would be uh, defensive end DJ Johnson. He's been seen a lot of activity around his school recently, actually. He picked up uh, scholarship offers from uh, Oregon State and Utah on the same day that USC came in and offered him. Uh, is a big offer for him. He's going to get down and visit from talking with his coach, I feel like SC has a real great chance with him. He's a 2017 uh, member of that class, so we'll see how that goes. There's obviously some time there. But, you know, sometimes those 2017 kids commit and uh, they pick SC. Uh, and that happened uh, just yesterday, actually. Uh, Bubba Bolden, the 2017 safety from Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, Nevada actually committed to USC despite the fact that USC doesn't have a defensive backs coach yet uh, or a defensive coordinator even. So that was surprising. He had actually just told me days before that uh, that USC was one of his favorite schools, but that he was going to wait a little bit until probably the summer to make a decision, wanted to visit some campuses. That's apparently not the case anymore. He committed. He talked to our Blair Angulo. That story is up along with much, much more from all the craziness this past week of all these offers going out. 
Uh, yeah, big pickup for USC though. I, I, Bolden's a really a quality safety, a physical guy, a solid guy, and they need safeties going forward. They don't have much committed in the 2016 class. They're trying to to rebuild that position even right now. So I think Bolden uh, would be a huge addition for them if they were able to get him. There you go. Well, very good recruiting stuff for one and only Chris Swanson. I forgot to mention another scholarship offer went out yesterday, a big one too, to uh, Concord De La Salle, 2016 defensive tackle. Boss Tagaloa. Uh, Tagaloa was really – one of the one of the top defensive tackles in the state, a guy that for many many months fans were asking about why USC didn't show interest in him, weren't recruiting him, didn't offer him a scholarship. They did late in the process, obviously. You know, in December, I uh, told our Adam Gorney that you know he's considering an official visit to USC. That might happen. We'll see. We'll see if he has interest. I think he had interest early on, but USC you know didn't really uh, recruit him that hard, and now they are. We'll see where that goes. But, yeah, Boss Tagaloa uh, offered yesterday, and uh, USC could potentially get an official visit. There's just so much action going on on the recruiting trail right now, it's kind of hard to even uh, even keep up with. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see if he takes a page out of uh, Bubba's book and uh, makes a commitment to USC. Very good. Boss and Bubba. Boss and Bubba. How do you like that, right? I love That'd that pretty cool. I love that. All the recruiting information, there you go, from the one and only Chris Swanson. Let's talk about the basketball team, because it is that time of the season. We're headed towards March Madness, and there's not a lot going on. So why not talk about the basketball team? And if you didn't know this, here at Trojansports.com, we take in all the basketball games. We cover it. We actually pay attention to the USC basketball team. And my we friend, actually go. Yes. We actually go. And that's a big deal because uh, we're, we're really the only you know, subscription-based USC site, the only site focused on recruiting that's, that's actually going to go to these games and check out the team, talk to the coaches, and, and you know, get some insight for you guys. Um, I've been very, very impressed with the team so far this year. They're 8-2. Uh, which is a tremendous turnaround from last season because I believe they only won uh, 14 games, something like that. It wasn't very many. Uh, Yes, the schedule hasn't been hard. Uh, There's been some pushover teams, but they have been some teams that that people know about. Uh, Wichita State, they beat them. I think everybody was surprised to see that. That's a big-name team. New Mexico is usually in the NCAA tournament, and they were able to beat them. And, you know, they took care of Monmouth, who – who beat Notre Dame and UCLA this year, and actually Monmouth beat them in a rematch too, but they have a victory over them. So some big-time wins for USC already, uh, although it is an easy schedule. I think that uh, it's huge for them. It's huge. Uh, A lot of people are questioning their coaches and whether or not they should be there. I think this is an example of a quality coaching staff that was really given a tough situation is turning things around now. Uh, I, when they took over that team, they were terrible. They were in the toilet. They were the worst team in the Pac-12. It takes time to get talent in, to, to coach your talent, to get your talent matured. Uh, they're still an incredibly young team, but you can tell that there's a big difference. And I think USC fans should be excited to have this coaching staff, should be happy to have this coaching staff. I think things are going in the right direction. They're going well. That being said, I don't want fans to get uh, their expectations Expectations too high. I don't want people to, to start thinking that this team, you know, could be the best in the Pac-12 or could compete for a conference title or anything like that. Um, I've heard from people close to the team uh, that 
Pac-12 play should be up and down. It it should be hard. It should be difficult. And uh, there's going to be losses. And I think that if USC goes 500 in Pac-12 play, that's a great coaching job. I really do. I don't think you can expect them to be there yet when most of their talent are sophomores. And they're still a really young team, as I mentioned. Uh, so that's what I'm expecting. I, I March Madness, I don't think they're going to make the tournament. I think that maybe like the NIT or something would be nice. Uh, they might be in the conversation to as maybe a bubble team late, uh, especially if they keep piling up wins in the non-conference. But when you get to Pac-12 play, you know they're going to be between seventh and ninth in the conference, seventh and tenth. You know towards the bottom. There's just too much talent in this conference. Uh, they'll be able to compete this year. It's going to be different. They'll get some wins. They might upset some teams and impress some people, but they're not there yet. Next year is when I look for them to kind of make a jump into the upper half of the conference and really start this conversation about what USC basketball can be after uh, there's been a caretaker there that, that's you know properly caring for the program for some time. They, they should be one of the best basketball teams in the Pac-12 year in and year out. They've never gone there. Seems like they're on their way to getting there, but right now they're still in the lower half of the conference. Still should be a struggle, but plenty to be excited about. It seems like USC is going to finish with a winning record this year, and that should be enough reason to celebrate. Very good. And if you see him out there at a USC basketball game at the Galen Center, be sure to say hi to the one and only Chris P. Swanson. And then I'll tell you all the things I hate in life, and I'll rant, and I'll go off, and Bowser music from Super Mario will just start playing in the Galen Center because USC will know. Uh, and we could also go shake Pat Hayden's hand because he's usually Yes, and I'm sure he would love to shake your he hand. He loves me. I'm his favorite. Uh, I will say he has great seats because they, they're not courts. They're like courtside but not in the center. They're off behind one of the baskets right behind the USC dance force. Uh, huh. It's Yes, they stand up. They dance. There's some you know, college girls basically right in Pat Hayden's face. I feel like they'd try to sell those seats for, you know, much more money and, and not force him to sit there. And I'm sure his wife is thrilled every time. Uh, that's my little commentary on the dance force. I'm sure if Adam wasn't taking a break, he would ask you to cut all that out. Exactly. So. But we won't because Adam's not here. But Adam is going to join us now. And it's time to get to your message board questions. <laughs> and it is that time for the questions from the message board. Direct at trojansports.com and it starts with Adamaya. please drop your inquiries below thanks no thank <laughs> you versatile john 20 our old friend right now what is the status of trey madden and others as far as injuries for the bowl game versus wisconsin on december 30th okay we don't have an official status right now the team has actually been off for over a week and we haven't had any access since they played that game versus stanford and so don't have a lot of team updates right now, but Trey Madden, if you remember, played versus Stanford. Not nearly as much as he played versus UCLA, but it's kind of the way it's been for him week to week. It's a wait and see basis, given that there are a few weeks between this Pac-12 title game and the Holiday Bowl. I expect him to play, um, and I know that Clay will try to get him as much, get him into the game as much as possible. But I couldn't tell you right now that he's playing for sure, that he's out or anything like that. Moving on. Trojan fan 68 our old friend Nick from Cyprus, says hello to all of us. Thank you, Nick. As always, what is the status of Bryce Dixon? All of us but me. Does, did he leave you out there? 
But yeah. you but you were usually his favorite. Oh well, maybe maybe that's just understood now. At this point, now that we're changes. Now that we're hundred and fifty five weeks into this podcast, maybe we all know that Nick loves you. What is the status of Bryce Dixon and JCF with the new coaching staff? Any updates on assistant coaching search? What's the news out of this weekend recruiting roundup? Well, we're gonna we'll be fuck three two one. Well, we got most of that already, Nick. Just rewind about four minutes if you need that. Who are some sleepers in the recruiting class? Basketball thoughts of the season for Crispy Swanson. Eight and two March of Madness, maybe. Oh, look at that. There it is. Sup, madam. Sup. He, he added that in later. You can tell, look, it's his last edit. He put that in. He forgot. You know what happened? We had a little bit of a falling out. Did you? Um, yeah, because I found out that... He was, he was participating in other podcasts. Oh, yeah. We did that bet Uh-oh. last week. I scolded him for it. Uh-oh. See? But we don't care. We should, you can listen to as many podcasts as you want. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, so does that mean I get this question? Because well, we did most of the hoops already, but uh, I don't know about the 8-2 March Madness run. But why don't we tackle the Bryce Dixon and JCF part? I'll let Adam take that one. Go for it, Adam. Have yeah, fun. again, I, that, that is not something that, that we know right now. But I can tell you, Jalen Kopitz-Patrick is no longer on the roster. He remained on that roster for some time, um, even after he was deemed academically ineligible for the season. And so it appears that he's done at USC in, in terms of playing football. Bryce Dixon, that's not happening. I mean, that... That was an administrative decision at the beginning of the year. And so I don't know what his course of action will be, but he's not going to play at USC again. Any updates on assistant coaching search? I think we've kind of covered that already. No, we have not talked about it at all. (laughs) We (laughs) We literally have not brought it up one time. I know you were here. No, I wasn't. I just put it. Do we want to talk about it or do we not want to? <laughs> it's been in the newspapers that they offer Clancy Pendergast, uh, San Francisco Chronicle reported that. I think the Daily News reported that, and he said no, or he has not taken it yet. So, I th- I he think said, call me maybe. He said what? <laughs> he, uh... <laughs> he said, what? Good night, uh, everybody. I, we'll see you night, next that's time. It. I mean. Exactly. Uh, no, I think I think Tyson Helton's a real possibility. I think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think Pendergast is coming. I think they're going to, you know, people have talked about that Wisconsin defensive coordinator. I don't think that's happening either. This is just all my opinion. I, we'll see. I, you know, I think Tyson Helton's the guy that's coming, and with everybody else, it's kind of like we'll <laughs> He's see. Coach everything. He's just yeah, Tyson Helton, <laughs> defensive line coach. Offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, receivers coach, defensive backs coach. Why not? Everything. Tyson Helton. You should just be the head coach. Okay. Before we move on to the next question, we want to answer Nick and his sleepers. I'm going to be asleep in minutes, but some sleepers in this recruiting class. Crispy Swanson, the recruiting maven. Well, I'm assuming that he's he's referring to you know somebody that USC's after, a guy that that maybe, you know, fans are overlooking and not really considering. And to me, um, it's just kind of one guy that's obvious. It's uh, Samisi 
Laaki from uh, Lawndale, California, uh, out there losing her high school. Uh, current Utah commit only rated as three stars, but USC started coming after him late. He kind of blew up late in the year. Teams started to notice him a bit more. I think he's going to be something special, and you got to consider him a sleeper because when people are talking about you know USC filling out their recruiting class and all these prospects they want, they forget to mention him, and USC's probably going to be able to flip him. And uh, he's also one of the top defensive linemen on the West Coast, I believe. He's he's proven that this year, I think. I I expected him to get a bump in the rankings. I still expect him to eventually. We'll see what happens. But I think he's definitely better than a three-star prospect. So he's definitely somebody USC fans should familiar, familiarize themselves with now because he might be coming on signing day. Defensive end or linebacker? What do you think? Uh I, rush end? I believe, yeah, rush end. I believe that's what uh, he told me. I'd have to go back and look at you know those multiple <laughs> articles that I wrote about him. You remember um, everything that you ever end. talked about with everyone? No, I don't. I don't even remember my middle name half the time. So <laughs> pork. Oh, thank you. I forgot. Did you say pork? <laughs> that would be better. I would uh, like. That. Oh my gosh. Okay. Last thing on uh, Nick's thing, March Madness, Chris, you think it's going to happen? Um, does March Madness mean they get into the field of 65? Uh, s- 68, yeah. Whatever it is. I yes. <laughs> sure, maybe. I don't th- I think I mean like I think they're probably like the 8th best team in the Pac-12, so probably <laughs> not. But I mean maybe Right? They go 500 in conference. They're finishing around 20 wins, I think, probably. So maybe. But Typically, no, you got to be on the so. radar, though, to get the benefit of the doubt with that many wins. Um, but I think their best shot would probably be winning the conference tournament. Which, well, that, you know, that ain't going to happen, a, dude. It's a tournament. It can happen, but that's their best shot. Okay, we were, well... The 2018 that won the tournament is like a thousand times better than this one. So I like this team, but you know, they winning the Pac-12 tournament title is is a very tall task. 2009, by the way. We remind what? you at this oh, moment that if you want to st- uh, stuff your friend's stocking with a great gift, have you thought of Trojansports.com and a membership to this great website? Because you could hear this podcast and get all the information of one Chris Swanson like that. That was it. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Chris. And me. Yeah, I don't, eh. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Eh. Shooter McGavin, eh. twenty-two. Who does SC close out this class with? Is John <laughs> Houston going to be good for next year? Is this chronic back sh- back issue going to kill his career? Much like doing this podcast is going to kill mine. <laughs> Take it away, Chris P. Swanson. Right. Well, I'm going to jump in on oh, John okay. Houston. Oh. Yeah, screw what you say, Chris Rouse. <laughs> Adam I is coming in with the answer. Go he ahead. Come. He was unable to practice for about half a season. Not a great sign. It didn't require surgery. Kind of a mystery injury. We weren't allowed to talk to him because he was injured, and we didn't get definitive answers when we asked Coach Helton. So I can't really say one way or the other what's going on and where this is going. Not a great sign at that age to have back injuries. But, I mean, I wouldn't expect it to kill his career. Not right now. Um, You hope for the best. Showed a lot of potential in practice. And I was surprised that he redshirted. Uh, Not just because of the 
the five-star rating, but because of how we practiced early in the year. So, he's a kid that we like and can definitely be a contributor to this team. Very good. Any thoughts, Crispy Swanson? Well, I'm going to answer the recruiting question as best as I can. Uh, you know, if I knew who USC was going to get on February, I would be psychic, and I wouldn't be doing this. I would be uh, gambling a lot. So, <laughs> uh, But I will tell you this. I think that there's some prospects that you could say, hey, you know what? They're probably going to get this guy. Uh, Wale Batiku from Sarah High School, Gardena, I think he's coming. Uh, so that's one guy I would slap on there saying, hey, he's coming. And, you know, they're maybe I think they're adding maybe seven on signing day or something like that. So, you know, I'll give you a few names here. Jackie Jones, it's a question. I haven't caught up with him since Keith Hayward got fired. There's been, you know, he said some things in the past that made us think, hey, is he not going to USC? I think USC gets him as well. So I would put those two names in there. I mentioned Samisi Laaki from uh, from Losinger High School. I think they're going to flip him from BY or for, excuse me from Utah. So I think he'll be in there. I think they're going to flip Troy Warner from BYU. He visited this past weekend, uh, despite his commitment, and BYU doesn't have a coach. So I think that's a guy to watch. And those are really the four that I say, hey, these guys, I expect them to come. I expect them to commit. I think when USC. You know, uh, signs a class in February. You're going to see those four names added to their class. Very good. Moving on, Drew, fight on, our old friend Drew. What are the chances Max Brown gets some meaningful snaps against Wisconsin? Is there a way to give him some reps without disrespecting Cody in preparation for next season? Screw Cody. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it's a, it's a final. Chris, Come on, Chris Morales. <laughs> Chris Rouse is hurt by this year, obviously. You, you must have gambled more Roseville. than we knew. I did. <laughs> we didn't really start exposing my gambling uh, ways until like week six. Just think about those first five weeks, especially that Stanford game. Or oh, Washington. Boy. That first well, Stanford Washington. game. Uh, no, he yeah. bet on Washington, I yeah, think. Yeah, okay, anyway. Okay. Uh, please, don't bring up. It's the holiday season. I don't need to remember the money I've lost. Okay. Okay. How about uh, Max Brown? I'll, yeah. I'll take this. I'll what, take you, this. You're going to take it? Okay, go ahead. I'm going to take it. I would say there is 0% chance he gets a meaningful snap against Wisconsin. 0% chance. Uh, it's going to be a close. It's not going to be. USC is definitely not going to blow Wisconsin out. I'll say that. How about that? So no chance he gets a meaningful snap. And is there a way to give him some reps without disrespecting Cody? Probably not. So there you go. That's my in-depth answer. I hope you enjoyed it. Adam, what do you think? I, I don't even know if I can touch that. Okay. Um, you want to touch it? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I kind of agree. I really don't think we're going to see a lot of Max Brown, if any. They have to blow them out. Maybe if they were getting blown out, I don't think they'll get blown out either. And even when they have, they, they haven't really looked to, to Max Brown. It's unfortunate. I don't agree with it. I think he should have been playing throughout the year. Um, I don't know. I I think because of the reason that Drew mentioned, you know, disrespect, Cody did not have the, the season that many thought he would. And I think Clay will want to get him as many opportunities to, to finish it on a high note. And so I just expect him to play the entire game. And plus, I'll also point out that if 
Wisconsin's blowing them out or if USC is blowing out Wisconsin and Max Brown gets in the game, those aren't meaningful snaps. Yeah. So it right. seems unlikely. It just seems unlikely. Right. I mean, it, I think yeah, it's sad. it would require an injury. Yeah, yeah, and that would be sad too. So it's just sad all around. Can I that? bet on Alabama now in the over? <laughs> David Wall on our board. I'd really like to hear your evaluation of Max Brown. Well, just rewind 45 seconds, and I think you'll get what you need. And Sam Darnold, how good is each? How likely is Brown to be the starter against Alabama? And what do you see in his future? Thanks. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to set off a nuclear explosion right now, Adam and Chris. So Here we ready. go. Cue the music. Uh, cue the music. Okay, Max Brown, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I feel like if he was everything that everybody thought he was going to be, he would have beaten out Cody Kessler. Maybe that's not fair because Cody Kessler's a fifth-year senior. We've had this debate before. Adam disagrees with me, I believe, but it worries me. I'm concerned about Max Brown's play. When he first came in, I thought he didn't look that good. I, I thought maybe he was overrated in high school after watching him play a little bit early on in his career, but he's grown tremendously. He's put on weight. He's zipping the ball around. I like what I see, but I'm still not sure. And that brings me to Sam Darnold, who I know, you know, really impressed USC coaches in high school. Uh, is is kind of that explosive guy that makes big plays with his feet as well as his arm. And to me, I think, hey, he might have a chance against Max Brown. I'm hearing behind the scenes, too, that that competition might be a little bit closer than people expect. The coaches like uh, Sam Darnold a lot. I would say... Wait, wait, odds, <laughs> well, the coaches that are still there. How about that? Okay. Uh, I would say that if I was putting odds on how likely it is for Max Brown to be the starter against Alabama, I'm actually saying 65-35 in what? favor of Max Brown. Yeah, it's a little bit closer than people expect. That's the nuclear explosion. Okay. There we go. You, you got mental. I feel like... Oh, really? Have I? Okay. Thank you, Adam. You sound like our message board. That's awesome. All right. Max Brown is your quintessential pro-style pocket passer who can make plays from outside the pocket. I think he'll he'll show uh, more ability in that area than we saw from Cody Kessler. A little bit more mobile, but definitely not what you would call a mobile guy. But he likes to roll out. And great size, a true six foot five. He looks even taller than that. Can really see the entire field and loves to give his receivers a shot. I can't tell you how many times he would throw to the, the walk on receivers in practice who don't stand taller than six feet and let them go up and make a play. He can get a lot of opportunities with, with Juju Smith Schuster and Darius Rogers and Stephen Mitchell. So, you kind of wonder about that a little bit because he didn't get a lot of reps with them and those are going to be his guys. But I think he's going to be great. Um, I think that him not playing is really no reflection of his talent. I think it's more about the the push to get Cody Kessler up in the, the Heisman conversation early in the year. or He was already in it to keep him up there. And I think they misplayed that badly against Arkansas State and Idaho. But we, I've said that over and over. Anyway, I, I think a lot of Max Brown, he is unproven, like Chris said. 
so he's not a sure thing. But I would say that his odds of being a starter versus Alabama are like 90%. Assuming that both guys are, are healthy, or that he's healthy, 90% that he'd be the starter. There we go. Wow. Oh, and Sam Darnold. I, I should have mentioned Darnold, too. Um, a great athlete. And he just reminds me a lot of Carson as a freshman in terms of his athleticism and all the things he could do. Um, just a very physically impressive guy. Carson had one of the best arms that you've ever seen. So I'm not putting Darnold in that category in terms of his his arm, but great runner, probably a better, even a little bit better runner than Carson. And the key will be his ability to pick up the offense, whatever the offense is, but it's going to be tough for him just having come from one style in high school to USC where they were doing so many different things. Um, they're trying to use their, their quarterback more as a runner, but Cody didn't really fit that mold. Max Brown didn't fit that mold. So I think that they've been miscast to some extent. Maybe it's better suited for Darnold, but then now we, what are they doing? We don't even know what they're doing. They don't have a coordinator yet. So um, I, w- I would assume that Helkin would gear the offense around Max Brown's skill set, but Brown and Darnold are very different. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But Darnold can play, for sure. He's he's a he's a playmaker. He's someone that um, can can really I think pull out a lot of tools, and you love to see that from a quarterback when they can surprise you and and keep defenses off balance. So when Sam Darnold's starting against Alabama, just play this podcast again and listen to Adam Maya say ninety ten, and then listen to me say, "Well, I'm hearing." You know, I've actually looked into it, and it's sixty-five thirty. You've actually looked into it, okay? I'm really sixty-five thirty-five. Sixty-five thirty-five. Adam, get ready. You said thirty-five percent Darnold. Yes. So you have to there's like, a chance starting now. I'm saying there's a chance, and I'm not saying it in the Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber way. Okay. There's actually a chance. Well, there you go. Exds one. How is Helton going to use his tight ends, and what scheme is he going to be using in 2016? What changes are they going to make to off-season SNC program to prep for Bama? What does SNC mean? Strength and conditioning. conditioning. That's what I figured. Let me do that again. What changes are they going to make to off-season strength and conditioning programs to prep for Bama? Is the man-to-man bump-and-run DB coverage here to stay? Theo Howard, any chance SC flip him along with Mike back to USC? First part, why don't we go to Adam J. Maya? <laughs> Good. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know yet if how he's going to use tight ends. Helkin had the offense this year. He was the offensive coordinator. And I would say that he integrated them a little bit. It was less than it was a year ago with Telfer and Bryce Dixon. But we think that's more because of Cody. But... I don't know. They bring back experience. Taylor McNamara is going to be a senior. Tyler Paquette is a sophomore. So I would expect them to be utilized more, but I think that's more of the, the byproduct of Max Brown being a quarterback. 
I expect them to be used more as as well. I thought they were actually used pretty well this year, given you know Cody Kessler's uh, you know his knack for looking at one guy. I think given the talent that they had there, the lack of experience, I thought they were used pretty well. So I expect them to be emphasized more. And then also, you know, Daniel Emertabebe has been in the system a year, and now he can play next year. Maybe they have some more depth and talent. Uh, but we, we got to wait and see, obviously, because they got to hire an offensive coordinator. No, I, I don't agree with you on men being you used well. No. <laughs> you don't think K- they're used well. Kaylor McNamara averaged 6.2 yards per catch. That's terrible for a tight end, and I'm not blaming Kaylor for that. And then Tyler Petit, who's more of a downfield threat, averaged 9.2 yards per catch, 13 catches on a year. That's not being used well. That's because of the quarterback, Adam, as we said. As I said, despite their quarterback yeah. play, despite this and that. But they, they're they're they, married. You, you can't separate them and say I, they were used but well. How many times, but, okay, but how many times did they call like a beautiful play-action play close to the end zone where a tight end's wide open and, and catching a pass? Rare. I noticed things like that. And right. It happened more than I think you're giving them credit for. I think... I really do. I really do. I think despite the quarterback they had, despite a lack of talent, despite a lack of experience, they did a pretty good job. They didn't have Bryce Dixon. If they had Bryce Dixon and they put up those numbers, I would say they sucked. Okay. So we disagree. We disagree. What a surprise. <laughs> On to strike the conditioning. What do you think, Adam? I, I We have no idea. I, I'm not, okay. not going to just answer it, kid, say face. No one knows right now. They're bringing back Ivan Lewis, so there's some continuity there, familiarity. But to prep for for Alabama, we don't know. Ask us again before they play Alabama, and we'll have an answer for you. How about that? There you go. Okay. There's more to answer, though. Oh, yes, there is. Please continue. There is. There's always more. In terms of the man-to-man coverage, I think it could be here to stay if they're playing the right team. I think they like to play that coverage if they're playing a team that they think you know it works against they used it against ucla because because they thought it would work and it did i don't think they're scared of man-to-man coverage i just think that with some of the youth they have they're you know more likely to avoid it um unless the matchup's right i think that you know as these defensive backs grow up a little bit we'll see more of it as for theo howard i think there's no chance usd gets back i think it's done he's going to ucla um for Mike Juarez, I think USC does have a chance to flip him back, but I'm starting to think UCLA. Uh, I think that he's grown uh, closer with their staff. We, he's been talking about all year about how he's close to UCLA's defensive staff. I think that the fact that his commitment got out um, after he committed to USC and it wasn't supposed to get out, I, I think that that kind of violates some trust. He hasn't told me that. But I think that you know he's kind of backed off from USC for a couple reasons, that being one of them. I expect UCLA to get Mike Wars, but it's not over. Anything could happen. But for Theo Howard, I would say no chance. Simul Jer will just say, what exactly is Helton doing to increase the physicality of our team? In his first week, it was reported that he had the ones going against the ones pounding on each other. I don't know what that means. After the initial reports, nothing. <laughs> Did he continue this in practices or was this short-lived? How he approaches his practices will tell us a lot in regards to if the power physical football quote is just lip service like Sark or he actually means it. Adam Maya. Well, it's hard to judge from practice because he took over the team in the middle of the year when they took the pads off 
you know, after November or beginning of November, they didn't have another practice in packs. So that would be going in the other direction. But they played a more physical brand of football, I would say, over the second half of the year. So it's something that I'm sure we're going to see developments during the offseason and during spring practice. But right now, I, I can't I can't say right what, what what what's being done. I mean, again, they haven't practiced for a week and a half. They haven't had any team activities for a week and a half. So, you know, you, you're asking about something at, at the dead period. We don't we don't have good answers for that right now. Um, my feeling is that you're going to see a more physical football team. Stark talked about it. I don't think he was ever serious about implementing it. I think that they were a finesse team under him. Um, what, what do you think, Chris? I, I, You know what? I don't think we're going to see physical football until they actually play, like, one offense for more than two years, you know, before they have, like, one defensive system for more than two years. I don't know, really know how you can be physical and play as fast as you need to and be as explosive as you need to when things change all the time. Coaches change, yeah. systems change. It just can't happen. So I think that they'll try to get more physical. I think Steve Sarkeesian was trying to get them more physical. I think Lane Kiffin was trying to get them more physical. I just think it's tough uh, when you go through changes all the time. So we'll see. Maybe in year two, maybe in year three, uh, I think we'll see him try to do things like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, those run only periods or whatever that we that we saw during yeah. the year. Some changes like that. But I don't expect anything to look different on the field where fans are going to say, oh, Clay Helen is changing this. I think you know, he already did. Obvious. I think that they were a more physical team in yeah. the second half of the year. It's hard to tell because they're playing a bunch of uh, low-end Pac-12 teams and beating them by <laughs> six points. So, you know, hard to tell. They well, got their butts kicked by Stanford in the physicality part. So, I mean. No, I, I don't think yeah. so. Okay. I, I, I too. No, I, I don't think they played that well, especially on defense. Well, actually, in both sides of the ball. But I don't think they got their butts kicked. I I don't think uh, the offensive line got smashed. They didn't think, do anything. In the, just think of the first half of that game. It could have been 28 to nothing. Stanford moved the ball at will, and USC did nothing. Yeah, well, because they were throwing the ball too much when they did have the ball. That's a lack of physicality, wouldn't you say? No. Bad okay. play calling. All right. I think I think if you're physical, you run the ball. So and they did they they did they, in the but they waited half. yeah but they right. waited they right like, they, did, they, they called it wrong like, but did they call it wrong because they didn't feel like they could be physical with Stanford maybe I think that they didn't I don't think there was a good sober judgment on what they could do with their quarterback all right so basically they, they threw the ball thinks, too much regularly okay so you think that they're just bad at calling plays, and I think they're just a bunch of sissies. So let's move on. Okay. Right? Well, um, <laughs> it's a joke, kids. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Um, it, it should be known that Helton will have a near full roster to work with. That's something that Stark didn't have, that Kiffin didn't have for the back half of his tenure. And that's a big deal. It, it, he really doesn't have any excuses, but. You know, and he, he literally said, I'm going to hire, I want to hire a defensive coordinator that will be extremely aggressive. And I think part of that is physicality 
and he felt like that was lacking with Wilcox. So my I'm hopeful in this regard that they'll be more physical. But I can't tell you that, you know, that he's already implementing it. It's too early. I felt like he, he did the most that he could during the season. Adam J. Maya, we believe that you have to exit the podcast now in order to uh, get to, uh, if you can't tell, everybody is a little under the weather. So Adam's going to go and get uh, hopefully a Z-Pack or some sort of uh, uh, to, to something to uh, maybe a, a little purple drink, something <laughs> to help with the discombobulation. Adam, thank you. We'll talk to you Too next late. week. And uh, Chris and I are going to finish this here. Um, All right. And uh, be good, okay? Yeah, thank you, guys. I have a doctor appointment. I don't want to leave you. Find him at Adam J. Maya on Twitter. Oh, hey, bro. Oh, hey, Mr. Swanson. Marty SC Psych. Adam, Chris, or Blair? You know what? This is like an episode of Survivor. It's now just down to the Chris's. Is there any substance to rumors regarding the possibility of a Florida coach being offered a position on the SC staff? Seems there are offers being made to Florida recruits who are decommitting from UF, and I believe he means Florida. Yes, uh, I mean there, there's been an offer to to uh, one Florida recruit that decommitted, I believe, Javon Myers. Uh, a couple, there's you know the offer went out to uh, Pope, or I'm sorry, not Pope, Polite. My bad, uh, Mr. Polite, who's still committed. So that might be who you're referring to there too. You know, it would surprise me um, if USC offered a coach from Florida because. You know they they like recruiting Florida. They've always liked recruiting Florida. They like having connections in the South. So it won't surprise me at all. Um, but I mean, we we still have to wait and see. Honestly, with with the coaching staff stuff, it's uh, it's still a little bit too early, and uh, we'll see. It won't surprise me, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not willing to say there's substance to it yet. Okay, very good. I'm expecting Adam to chime in. I, I'm, I'm just so conditioned to hear that right? voice in my head. Uh, moving on, Mikey2G. Chris, Adam, do you think that the fact that every single head coach that Clay Helton has coached under has been fired when Helton was there is troubling? Well, who knows? How will he know how to lead a successful program when he has never been around one? Good point. Can you think of any examples of similar coaches who have actually succeeded? Wow, it's like Mikey's been listening to me the last few weeks. Um, is it troubling? Yes, it's incredibly troubling. Uh, how could it not be troubling? Like you mentioned, every, like every year he's been at USC has been deemed a failure almost, I think, outside of maybe one or two seasons. Uh, I mean, like you mentioned, all those coaches got fired. I don't know. I don't know if he could be a successful head coach. I think it's incredibly troubling. I personally would have fired him too. I would have fired everybody on the staff and started over. I think I've made that clear in past podcasts. I think it's silly. I think the whole thing's silly. He has me going on a rant again. So, yes, troubling. That's like, yes. I. (laughs) That's all I can say. Yes, it is troubling. Um, Can he lead a successful program? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think it's troubling, though. Um, can I think of any examples of similar coaches like this that have actually succeeded? I can't think of an example of a coach that you know was kept from a staff that was fi- two staffs that were fired and then hired promoted to head coach. I can't think of an example. I'm sure one of our message board users will think of one and tell me how stupid I am and point it out. But I can't think of any. I think that this was kind of uh, a crazy hire, uh, an unusual hire, and. No, so I can't. I, I think everything Mikey has to say it has some validity to it, and who knows what's going to happen. It should be a wild ride. Good job, Mikey. Look at that. 
Okay, Marty S.E. Psych is back. Uh, he asked for Adam, but we're just going to try to fill it in here. Adam, do you have so any... I don't know... I don't know why he's asking Adam a recruiting question anyway. So, oh, well, that's okay. It's all good. It's Do you all have good. any information on Khalil Tate's visit this past weekend? And if it can be confirmed that he has been told SC is recruiting him as a quarterback and not another position? Um, I actually talked to Khalil Tate yesterday because I was at Sarah. Um, he's going to Arizona. Uh, I think that's that's pretty obvious. Everything he's told me is that he's sticking with them. He's going. He's not going to SC. SC is recruiting him as a quarterback. They've actually been recruiting him as a quarterback for a while. Um, they were recru- recruiting him as a quarterback receiver. Uh, before it was receiver, then it was quarterback receiver. And, uh, yes, they are pushing him with the quarterback talk. Uh, that's very clear. But he doesn't feel confident that that he's their guy. Uh, he was Arizona's guy the whole time. They always believed him in a quarterback. USC did not make that clear. They have another quarterback committed. I know Arizona does as well, but USC went through a lot of people before they got to Khalil Tate and really made him a priority at quarterback. I don't think he's going to USC. I'll have a full update uh, in Wartime Weekly because it's not really an update that, that works for a story. Um, but, yeah, it would surprise me if he, if he decommitted from Arizona and went to USC at this point. I, th- I think he's set on being a quarterback. I think Arizona's made it clear that he could be a quarterback for them and – I know that that he's not certain that he could be that at USC, that they would want him at that, despite what they're telling him. Well, there you go. All right, well, thank you to everybody on the message board, Marty, as always. Uh, Always good questions. And we will see you next week, uh, at some point during the week, for another edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. And find us on iTunes and subscribe. Just search Trojan Sports Talk. Next week, uh, we will see if everybody's a little more chipper, huh, Chris? Everyone's a little tight this week. That's okay. Though. Yeah, we're all angry, I think. It's a, it's a holiday uh, frustration that builds. Everyone's yeah. a little stressed out. People are under the weather. Yeah. Oh, and, and before we say goodbye, Mr. Swanson, do you realize something about this show? Other than the length, although it's pretty much an expectation that we go this long now. And you enjoy it out there in podcast land. But Adam J. Maya did not deliver a bumper sticker award this week. And don't forget, Crispy Swanson, one last reminder from here, your friends at Trojansports.com. Team's going to resume practice on the 19th, so be sure to keep it right there. Trojansports.com, we will have you covered with all the coverage. Look at that. Well, there we go. We'll see you next week right here from Trojansports.com in the Trojan Sports Podcast. You see me give everything I got, right? But we talking about practice right now. We talking about practice. Man, I look, I hear you. I, it's funny to me too. <laughs>